Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. All right, this is Buffy Season 1, Episode 4. And look out, Xander Harris, Kara and Steph are coming for you. (laughs) I have to say... This is not necessarily Xander's fault in this episode. Um, the writers done did Xander dirty here, and oh yeah, so I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him. Don't don't worry, we're still gonna rag on him, but um, less so I think in this episode than the previous episode, just because the previous episode that was on him, but in this episode it's like the writers intentionally set out to make Xander ugh. Well, this episode is called Teacher's Pet, and you know I don't remember this episode. I'm not I'm not familiar with it as I would be the previous one, which it was actually kind of enjoyable to to watch it, almost like it was the first time because I didn't I I knew the basic overview of what it was going to be about, but all the nitty gritty, all the Xander, everything in it was new. So that's why at the very first scene we jump right into the action and I was confused at first. I was like, I do not remember this at all. So we're at the bronze and Buffy is strangely fighting a vampire that she can't beat. And I was like, what is this? And she's on the pool table and the vampire's advancing on her. But then all of a sudden Xander comes in behind him, says, may I cut in and um, throws him over And that's when I think we all can kind of clue in that, oh, this is like some sort of alternate reality or a dream. Um, I think Mm -hmm. you should know that right away, just based on this scenario. Uh, Buffy's looking at Xander like so longingly, like she's so in love with him. She's like, thank you so much. Xander rescues Buffy and she goes gaga for him. And they make out a little bit, but he breaks away and he's like, okay, I got to go finish my solo. And he jumps on stage and he starts shredding it on the guitar. And it's like, okay, so you saved Buffy, the vampire slayer. And also you're playing a mean guitar at the bronze. And like you said, we know this is a dream at this point. So the rest of this sequence is basically just to cement, you know, it's, it's clearly Xander's dream. But yes, it's a dream sequence. And then when he wakes up, He's in class. Buffy's like, Xander, wake up. You're drooling. (laughs) So I guess we're going to be sticking with Xander's obsession with Buffy in this episode. And it's cranked to 11. (sighs) So just prepare yourselves, everybody. And this fantasy alone is something I just hate. I just hate it. Because it's, it's like he slays the vampires better than Buffy. And she appears to have no skills at all other than to admire him. Okay. You're putting me in the awkward position of having to defend Xander here, Steph. I really don't appreciate <laughs> this. Um, to be That's fair, right. right? Like, this is his fantasy, right? So he's allowed to put himself in the position of a hero and stuff. What I don't appreciate is that the show seems so determined to thrust Xander's point of view on us, right? We got that last, last episode. And now, again, first thing this episode, it's Xander's dream. It's not Buffy's dream, it's Xander's dream. Is this TV show called Xander, Friend of the Vampire Slayer? No. Why are we <laughs> starting with this? Um, yeah. Although, again, to be fair, when we, he wakes up, we found out, find out he's in science class. And it's like the most boring science lecture on the planet. Yeah, and for my for my thing, and yeah, yeah, I hear you. And maybe this is what teenage boys dream about, but... His fantasy is that Buffy's dependent on him. And I think that's where it gets me. That's where I'm like, ooh, you Oh, it's definitely like a gross (laughs) fantasy from our point of view, right? But it's understandable that Xander would have that fantasy. And he's entitled to his fantasies. I just don't like that we have to see it. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? To be fair, you know, two 
people in their 30s have never dissected my fantasies and well like this is what i meant when i said earlier i feel sorry for xander the writers done did him dirty right like how would you feel yeah how would you feel if your dreams were being broadcast on tv and i know xander's a fictional character but if we're talking about consent and stuff right like he did not consent for to us seeing that fantasy so you know you can't control what you dream about necessarily anyway that's as far as i'm going to go defending xander (laughs) okay uh and you're saying the class is boring yeah it's boring the teacher is talking about ants and like lecturing about ants and uh during this scene uh, there's a jock that we meet and he's important later and he kind of like makes a joke at Xander's expense about B.O. And we also see Willow in there um, trying to help out Buffy, who can't answer one of these questions about how ants communicate. And I just want to also point out that Willow's a really good friend. We're trying to help her. And this is actually an instance where the teacher asks Buffy a question. She's struggling with the answer. This is your opportunity, Xander, to step up and help Buffy. Mm-hmm. This is your this is your where you could help her with finding the answer, but you don't. Willow does it, right? Good point. So... Class dismissed. The the teacher, the uh, his name is Doctor Gregory, and he asks to see Buffy after class because she didn't know the answer. And could this be a good educator at Sunnydale High? Like, could, could he be the one? Because first he says that Principal Flutie shared her permanent record with him. Why he did that, I'm not sure. But he also says he can't wait to see great things from her. And he's like, it's clear that you have a great mind and you're quick on your feet. So imagine what you could accomplish if you actually did your homework or if you put it towards something like this. And he says, you know, don't I'm not listening to the permanent record. Make the principal eat it. Like, it's actually really, really nice. And the first time Buffy's hearing this kind of encouragement, possibly through an academic window. Agreed. And it's really nice. And you can tell... And you can tell Buffy takes to it. And God forbid we have a nice, helpful, decent teacher in Sunnydale because as soon as Buffy leaves, he stays in there. The closet door opens from behind him and we see some sort of claw grab him, push him to the ground. So, of course, the the one nice teacher at Sunnydale High has to get killed, right? (laughs) Can't even survive past the opening credits. No, it's like he shows a little bit of decency you're gone. <laughs> so we're at the bronze and Xander does two th- weird things immediately. He first goes onto the dance floor and like goes up to the lead singer of the band and like nods at him. And <laughs> the band member like brutally rebuffs him by gives him like this dirty look. And I think that's one just to show Xander's Xander's real life could not be further from his fantasy at the beginning of the episode. And then the next thing he does is he goes to the, the bar. Can we call it the bar? We don't know what the bronze is. The candy bar. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at, like, the close-up, like, there's, like, wine yeah. bottles there. They're selling alcohol yeah. to somebody. Okay, so there's two, uh, one of the jock guys from class and another. And I also I, I also want to point out that the other is a black man. And I don't know how closely you and I are going to keep an eye on how mm-hmm. diverse Sunnydale is, but... We should. <laughs> we should. Sure. Keep an eye on it. I mean, I just, I think it's the question isn't how many like black background characters and extras and stuff we get, right? It's how well does the show do at having actual like significant black characters and characters of color with speaking roles who actually contribute to the plot, right? Um, and spoiler alert, does not do great. It has a couple of moments, but we'll, we'll, we'll we can definitely keep track of that as we go. We can, yeah, we can discuss it. So far, they've just been background characters, like one of these two boys at the bar. And what are they talking about? They're talking about sex and how much sex they've had. They're like, well, Xander, how many times have you gotten laid? And he's like, oh, today or the whole week? And um, then he sees Buffy and Willow, and he goes over to hug them to insinuate that he's having sex with them. And because he looks back at the boys at the bar and is like yeah like i've you know and and he tells them what he's doing he's like oh i'm obviously objectifying you guys and willow's really into it and buffy's kind of just confused as she always is whenever he talks to her and yeah like i just once again we brought this up in the episode witch but xander you only have two friends because your other friend died and uh like it's true it's true (laughs) please 
don't objectify them. I beg you. Like, don't don't use them in defense of your teenage boy masculinity. Like, I don't want to see it, and it, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm sad that Willow was a party to it, and it's just not a great look, and you've already started off on a bad foot here. It's not getting better. To be fair, they get they get him back later on in the episode a couple times. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Uh, so, thank God someone comes in, someone I've been waiting for since episode two. It's Angel. Oh my God, Angel's here. He's standing over there. Buffy sees him. I see him. We all see him. He's so handsome. She goes out to see him and Xander and Willow figure out that, oh, that must be Angel. And Xander gets upset. He's like, oh, he's buff. She never said he's buff or he's he, like, he's handsome. Xander obviously is immediately threatened by this. Um, but Buffy goes up to Angel and she's like, she calls him out about only showing up with cryptic messages before bailing. And he's like, oh, you're cold. And she's like, oh, you can handle it. And he doesn't mean her attitude. He means her body. So he takes off his leather jacket and puts it around her. And he's now wearing a wife beater. And I swoon. And I think we're all supposed to swoon. <laughs> Whereas I just rolled my eyes. And I'm like, Steph, would this move have worked on you as a teenage girl? Oh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have. But I'm not smooth like Buffy. Like, Buffy handled that really, really smoothly, as in, like, she didn't really react to it. Right. I would have went beat red. I would have stammered. I would have sweated. I would have done a lot of stuff that was not, you know, attractive. But anyway, yeah, so now he's standing out there in a wife beater, and, you know, Riverdale could never. Like, this is the original Archie <laughs> Andrews. <laughs> so she notices that he's got a big cut on his arm. And she somehow brings it up to like, oh, did you get stabbed by a fork or something like that? And uh, he's warning her that someone is coming and not to let him corner her. So I do want to give a very small criticism to my boyfriend, Angel. And it's that I just wish that he would tell Buffy straight up what it is that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, does he have to be so mysterious about it? Like, he gives her half-baked information. And I don't know why that's going to help her. I wish he would just be more straightforward, but whatever. Okay, so the next day at school, Buffy is wearing the jacket and she's talking to Giles about what Angel said about the fork guy. And Giles actually makes a really good joke and says, you have too many guys in your life. (laughs) And it made me laugh because I was like, truer words have never been spoken because Buffy is surrounded by men. Thank God Willow is there. Mm -hmm. Just then Xander uh, comes and says that the professor, Dr. Gregory, uh, isn't coming in and he's missing. And... Before he can get more information out, Xander says that the cheerleaders were modeling their new skirts. So he got distracted and didn't have any more information. I have no defense for this. (laughs) Kara rolls her eyes. (laughs) Uh, Buffy and Willow are concerned, as they should be. And then Xander notices a very sexy, beautiful woman walking into the school. And he basically comes in his pants. And (sighs) she asks him to tell her, where is the science lab? And Xander is very tongue-tied, and that's when Blaine, the jock, from mm-hmm. the night before and the class before, comes up behind her and does the jock thing by being like, so, it's not far from the varsity field where I took all city last year. So I would like to point out that before Blaine shows oh. up, when Xander is struggling to get out where the science lab is, he looks to Buffy yeah. and Willow for help, and they just look at him and shrug, and that's the first bit of payback in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's like, we're not so going to help you not look like a loser. This is the opposite of a meet-cute, right? Because this is just gross. I don't know if there's a name for, like, the opposite of a meet-cute, but this is a, an ugly-cute. Or, sorry, a meet-ugly. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. We go into the science lab, and Buffy finds glasses, broken glasses on the floor. We know they belong to Dr. Gregory, but she just thinks it's odd that there's glasses on the floor. Uh, she puts them on the desk, and we learn that the substitute teacher, the sexy lady from outside, is named Natalie French, and she's substituting that that class. And then she immediately gets sexually harassed by Blaine the Jock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she starts she she starts spewing out stats about praying mantises, and you know why they live alone, and that they're cannibals, and how they lay their eggs, and then they find a mate to fertilize them, and after that happens, they have offsprings in a few months. So she's given a lot of detail about praying mantises. 
I'm hooked. I want to learn more about perinatal medicine. I'm sure it's not going to come up at all for the rest of the episode, Steph. No, this is just fascinating information for anyone who's into bugs. Uh, Kara, is this your teaching style? Do you also like to dress sexy and tempt (laughs) your jock students to pay attention when you're teaching them about bugs? I have so many things to say about this episode as a teacher. Let's wait a few more scenes before we really get into the egregious parts. Um, But no, I dress sexy for me, (laughs) for your information. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) no, I have a much better teaching style. It's much more, shall we say, engaging. Great. Great. Good to hear because, you know, but you know what? She's engaging these students. Like she says at one point. The female praying mantis is larger and more aggressive than the male, and Blaine the jock leans over to Buffy and says, nothing wrong with an aggressive female. (laughs) And, like, I agree with him. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just I don't like his tone. Exactly. Uh, But anyway, at the end of this lesson, she just springs on them that, you know, they're going to make model egg sacs for the science fair, and all the boys in the class volunteer to help her make these sacks after school. Uh, we're in the cafeteria and Xander is once again, just, uh, just like talking about Miss French, talking about how older women love younger men. And like, he just, he thinks he's in there, you know? And Buffy says, yeah, because younger, younger man is too stupid to wonder why an older woman can't find someone her own age and is too desperate to care about the surgical improvement. That was so funny. But I also want to point out. That that's an example of internalized misogyny, right? Yes. It, it's a good line, Buffy. I, I like to hear you put Xander in her, his place. Don't get me wrong. But it's a bit disappointing mm-hmm. to hear you talk about older women like this. Exactly. Uh, but internalized misogyny is exactly what that is. So, Buffy, you need, you need to do a little bit of soul searching, I think. <laughs> but as we move on, Blaine the jock cuts in line. He's got a full tray of food. Because he's carving up because he's meeting Miss French after school and they're going to have tons of sex. <sighs> and uh, <laughs> and then we find out from this conversation that Xander is the next day to hang out with Miss French making egg sacks. <laughs> Xander disgustingly says to Blaine the jock, you're just rehearsal for the meal, which is Xander. Ugh. I'm going to puke. Thank God Cordelia walks in. Here's Cordelia, our love Cordelia. And uh, she goes to the fridge in, in the lunchroom and says something hilarious, like uh, she has a medically prescribed lunch <laughs> yeah. from her doctor. She's, uh, she's any just, reason to get her in the lunch? She's room. very, you know, entitled, spoiled, rich kid. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so she goes back uh, back into the kitchen. She opens the fridge, and oh my fucking god, Doctor Gregory's body is in there, and he's missing a head. And Buffy and Willow, everyone goes and sees it. They all scream. It's terrible. It- okay, this is the second body that we've now yeah. found on campus in one semester of school. And again, possibly one month of school. The school doesn't shut down. They just go on with the rest no. of the school day. Nope. They're just like, you know what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Like, off you go to class. We'll take care of this mess. Like, it- no one. Oh, it's Do they crazy. have the coroner's office on speed dial? Is it like, yeah, can you come <laughs> down here and uh, clear this up by the by the time second lunch period happens? Like like we said in the pilot, you know what? This is Sunnydale and no one gives a shit about dead bodies in any way or shape or form. But you and I know that this is a big deal, that, that it's not a student this time. It's a faculty member and he's beheaded. So we're in the library and you know what? The teens are upset. The teens are traumatized. And Giles is comforting them. Um, Giles is saying that, you know, he was a nice man. He wouldn't have any any enemies. And Willow is like, we're going to we're gonna find who didn't stop them. And Buffy's like actually crying. And Buffy says, you know, Angel w- did warn her that something was coming. That the we know that the local vampire king, who is the master. I can't remember who brought this up. Was it Giles? Giles said that, that he has an enemy that he had chopped his hand off once. And Buffy is like, oh, is that the fort guy? And like, the, they don't know. They don't know anything. We don't know who did this yet. Right. Um, but he also mentions that someone was shredded in the park. Like, shredded in the park. Uh, <laughs> but they yeah, don't this know is, if that's connected. This is a very messy exposition scene. I think the writers didn't do a great job at getting across 
the fact that we're supposed to draw all these connections between the master and what angel is warning us about and this weird vampire who shreds people um it's it's a little bit messy we get there in the end though right and giles is like don't go out and do the thing buffy buffy's like oh go out and hunt this guy and giles is like don't do it buffy don't do it and what does buffy do (laughs) she does it (laughs) of course um yeah she goes she goes and i also do i i don't know if i said this before I love that they call it hunting. I love that when Buffy goes hunting. Like, I think mm-hmm. that sounds so badass. I love it. Uh, so Buffy goes to the park at night to look for the thing that shredded that guy. And she sees a couple homeless people. And that's it. Uh, but then she gets this giant hole. I think it's like opening to a sewer or something. And a vampire with a hand of knives, like fingers, like uh, knives for fingers, jumps out. And this actually truly scares yes, me. Yes, I have that in my notes too. I jumped and gasped at Hook Vampire jumping out. Like it was a legit jump scare. <laughs> and I'm not mad about it. Yeah, no, me either. I was so surprised that it actually legit scared me. I was like, oh my God, good for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's got like, he's like Freddy Krueger with his like hand of knives. And Buffy fights with him for a bit, and then a patrol of uh, a patrol of cops shows up, and and the vampire runs off. And as he's running off, we see that a woman is walking next to the fence, next to the park, uh, with her groceries. And the knifey vampire is about to attack her, but she, it would turn around, and it's Miss French. It's the it's the substitute teacher, and the shredder guy backs off. He sees her. He gets scared. He jumps into a nearby sewer because sewers mm-hmm. are just everywhere in Sunnydale. Don't, don't forget. And Buffy has watched this whole thing. And now Buffy is freaked because obviously something is up with Miss French. So the next morning in the library, Buffy is telling this to Giles. They're both aware that something has happened, so that something is up with Miss French. They need to keep an eye on her. So Buffy heads out to class and runs into Principal Flutie. And he's panicking, as he should be. This is actually... I'm glad this scene happened because he's actually telling her two things that I completely agree with. And the first is that any student that saw the, the teacher's body the day before needs to see a crisis counselor mm-hmm. to help deal with their feelings. Yes. Yes, 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 Principal Flutie. Yes, this should have been happening the day before, but yes. Um, he also offers her support, but also says no touching. So... There's the other thing. Like, he's got actual normal teacher-student boundaries that Giles has not figured out. He's like, I'll, I I, w- I want to give you a hug, but not an actual hug because I have a strict <laughs> no-touching policy, which is good. Yes. Good job, Principal Flutie. Yes. He actually cares yes. about his students, mm-hmm. but he's also such an administrator because that this is totally how administrators work, right? Is they, they care, but they also really want to follow procedures and is pulling Buffy out of like a crisis out of like out of class to go to a crisis counselor who may or may not help her process her feelings is that the most effective way to help her deal with her trauma probably not but you know principal Flutie's checking his boxes so that he can say he did the right thing and it's just I agree with you like it's good for him but it's also like it's classic kind of ineffectual school administrator yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do appreciate the effort because so far it seems like nothing is done about anything in this school. Uh, okay, so Buffy's really desperate to get to class because she has to keep her eye on Miss French, but uh, she is forced to sit outside the counselor's room. And who is in there? Cordelia. And this is like her my favorite line in the entire episode is because Cordelia is talking to the counselor and it's actually incredible. Uh, she's she's processing as Cordelia would process such a thing because she's the one that ex- that discovered the body, and she's saying that her shock means that she's not eating and she's actually happy about that, and she's like you know obviously the teacher shouldn't die for me to lose weight, but when tragedy strikes we need to look on the bright side. <laughs> it's just like that Buffy's horrified because she can hear this whole thing, but like I thought that was so fucking funny. I was mm-hmm. like that's, that's yeah. classic Cordelia right there. Finally, Buffy gets to go to biology and she looks through the window of the door and uh, Miss French is leaning over Xander, who's doing a, a pop quiz, and she's touching his shoulder. And uh... Buffy sees this. And then Miss French must sense that Buffy's watching because she turns her head all the way around to the back, like exorcism style. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the effects are stellar, no. but it, it gives the 
I think it's supposed to give a creepy vibe. And I think it would if I wasn't so desensitized. Oh, yeah. Buffy and Willow are in the library to tell Giles. And Buffy's explaining what she saw. And Willow says, ouch. (laughs) Which is actually pretty funny. And um, she mentions to Giles, or, or Giles mentions that, you know, insects can actually turn their head all the way around (laughs) and uh they're figuring out that this could be a praying mantis and buffy is taking this very seriously because that was her fave teacher Mm -hmm. so she asks giles where the books on bugs are so she can start researching well because giles asks what are you gonna do and buffy replies my homework uh, and, like, she should have put her CSI glasses on before she said that, because I wanted a big CSI uh, Miami <laughs> noise to go, because shit just got real. Like, I feel I feel like yes. we should have a shit just got real moment for each of these episodes, where it's like, when does the penny drop and Buffy go from, you know, somewhat flighty 16-year-old girl to, okay, this is serious. Should we... I'm Slayer Should we get now. a bell or a horn? <laughs> Should we get like a noise? That we I feel play? like we Boom! need a sound Shit's effect for Shit Just Got Real because <laughs> this is the moment in this episode. Buffy is not messing around now. Miss French is in her classroom and she's eating lunch, about to eat lunch. And Xander joins her and she says she has a teacher's conference and invites him to come work at her place no. on this exact project. No. Uh, Cara, like, I know that you're inviting students to come hang out with you at your house all the time. So, like, <laughs> this, I, this is, is totally normal stuff. Beyond inappropriate. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't even with this episode as a teacher. Like, I get it. It's fiction. I can't I can't do it, though. And that's, that moment, that scene was kind of the beginning of the end for me. I'm just like, ah, uh, for the rest of this episode, I am just incredibly uncomfortable because, ugh. Yep, but Xander is loving this. He even like hallucinates back to his fantasy where he's a cool guitar player, and I like he honestly believes like he's about to become this this cool persona because he's about to lose his virginity to the substitute teacher. So he leaves in shock, but like he's gonna meet up with her at her house later. She reveals that the lunch that she's eating is a bunch of crickets on toast on on bread that looks like it maybe has some mayo on it you would think she'd be like gluten-free or something (laughs) yeah uh as as far as sandwiches go it's not a good one i give it like a three out of ten like there's not anything else on it except for crickets also could i ask a very serious question here what's up with this bitch's accent is is she supposed to be french because she sounds like to my ear at various points in this episode she sounds vaguely british and then like in this scene where she's inviting xander to her house it's all she sounds a little bit southern like there's a little southern twang going on. like i don't i feel like her accent is just kind of drifting all over the place maybe she's a demon that uh comes from many areas of the world oh, okay okay i did not expect a serious answer to my serious question but thank you <laughs> No, but I, I have such a bad ear for accents, so I wouldn't know. I was literally like, oh, she's French. You know, because her name's Miss French. It's easy enough for me. Um, Buffy is back in the library. She's talking about, she like, she solved it. She's like, it's a praying mantis. They can turn their head all the way around. And Giles so randomly, so randomly says that he knows a man who is in a mental institution, but he specializes in fairy tale bug monsters. <laughs> Then we learn that Blaine the jock, who was with Miss French the night before, never came home. So Willow starts freaking out because they know that Xander is with her now, supposed to be with her now. And Buffy says that she noticed teeth marks on Dr. Gregory's body. So they got to discover what those teeth marks are from. So Willow has to hack into the coroner's office while Buffy goes to warn Xander about Miss French. And Giles is going to go call this guy who knows about a thing. (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. a lot happening once again um and also giles chooses this this moment to bring up like oh willow what you're doing is it legal and they're like no and he's like oh i didn't see it i don't know anything about it he said wasn't here didn't see it couldn't have stopped you and then buffy's (laughs) like yeah that's for the best and just like oh giles like sometimes i just want to pick giles up and give him a little bit of a hug because he's working so hard and he's dealing with not one, but two teenage girls so much of the time. And it's just like, poor Giles. Poor Giles, but also Giles. Like, every episode of this season, they've hacked something. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I don't know what you're surprised about in episode four. Like, get with the program, right? There's dead bodies on campus and Willow hacks into things she shouldn't be hacking into. Uh, okay, so um, Buffy, ugh, Buffy finds Xander and she breaks it to him as easily as she can that that Miss French is a bug. She's a praying mantis and she's not human. And Xander turns it around to say that Buffy is just jealous that he doesn't, like, basically that he's not into her anymore. Fuck you, Xander. Okay, but also, maybe I should give him a break. I'm just thinking about this now. Maybe we should give him a break because is he under pheromone trance? Or is he just being a dick? I can't decide. What do you I think, think it's both. I think we, like, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, the writers done did Xander dirty. This is not entirely his fault, but let's be honest. If we removed the whole Miss French pheromones thing, Xander's still going to be an awkward, hormonal, pervy teenage boy. So I'm not going to cut him slack for how he's acting. That's true. And uh, I will also not cut him slack because then he gets defensive and goes after Angel for no reason and says like, oh, his name is so girly. (laughs) Excuse you. And Buffy rightly doesn't understand why he's bringing Angel up at all. And he just says, oh, it just kind of bugs me. And then he walks off. And my question, again, is, does Buffy know that Xander likes her? Like, no. Is she aware? She she has <laughs> to be oblivious to this. She's too close to it. Yeah. Xander walks off angrily to meet Miss French, regardless of the Slayer's warnings, because nothing gets between man and sex. And then he shows up at the teacher's house. Ooh. And uh, the fireplace is on. She's wearing a sexy black outfit. It's She's so bad. A cocktail. I feel so uncomfortable. She sits him down. She says, oh, I'm nervous around you. Seduction, seduction. Uh, Xander is in way over his head and downs the cocktail because he's nervous. She asks him if he's ever been with a woman and she's like touching his head. Uh, First he tries to lie, but then he fesses up that he hasn't. And we hear somebody screaming in the background and he's like, oh, did you hear that? And she's like, I don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden Xander starts hallucinating again about Buffy. And then he says he loves Buffy. And we can assume now that something's happened to his drink because he's getting really groggy. He hears Mm -hmm. the screaming again. He passes out. Miss French transforms into her bug self and drags him off screen. Right. So I feel sorry for Xander at this point. And I I think I want to clarify, like, why this makes me feel so uncomfortable as a teacher. What's going on here is that the show is pretty obviously playing this for laughs we're supposed to be amused by the fact that there's a really attractive older female teacher coming in and preying upon these you know innocent naive virginal hormonal teenage guys and i i want to like do a little thought experiment and what if we flipped that around and the teacher was an older attractive man preying on young girls right and i think automatically a lot of people would see that as a lot worse. We have a tendency in our society to see men as predators, especially older men, and young women as victims. But when it comes to inappropriate relationships between teachers and students, especially because teaching is such a female-dominated profession, you know, there's so many cases of older women grooming and then taking advantage of and even to the point of, you know, molesting uh, younger male students that I just I don't appreciate that the show is making light of such a serious thing yeah and that's because uh, like I don't know if especially back then or if it was always this way but people just don't see women as predators mm-hmm. but this is showing like literally and like and figuratively she is a predator mm-hmm. and uh a lot of teen shows also play with this whole trope of the teacher and the student because, like, uh, not a year later, Dawson's Creek got its fame from their main character, Pacey, having a relationship with his high school teacher. Oh. And they portrayed it as a love story. <sighs> so, like, the, this is a problematic theme that I think 
has been part of TV culture for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. It's not right. And if, if you did reverse the roles, how different people would have reacted to it back then and now. Mm-hmm. But we see you, Miss French. We <laughs> see you. We don't agree. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and Xander wakes up in a cage. And uh, he's in a basement of some sorts. And he sees a praying mantis laying eggs, tending to her, to her eggs. And uh, it's funny because he's like, Miss French? And she's like, call me Natalie. And her like, praying mantis. <laughs> That's a really uh, funny this, moment, yeah. This is by far the worst. I mean, we're on episode four. This is the worst costuming slash special effects slash whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks really bad. Um, I also want to add, though, how odd it is that, you know, episode four, we've seen vampires. We've seen witches. The next jump was praying mantis. <laughs> That's typically how it goes, Steph. <laughs> uh, yeah. Silly me. Silly me. I forgot. Uh, we're in the library. Giles is yelling on the phone at, at uh, who I assume is his colleague that's a specialist in bug monsters. Willow and Buffy are looking at the coroner's report and they see that the marks on Dr. Gregory's body were indeed a praying mantis's bite. <laughs> and... Um, they find out that when a mantis has sex with something, it bites its, it bites its head off. But uh, Willow starts freaking out, and Buffy's like, "No, no, Xander's at home safe." Then we're back at the cage. We realize that Xander's not there alone. Blaine the Jock is there. He's not dead. He's there with him, alive. And he, I think, had already seen somebody else mate with her and then get his head bitten off. So he's got a lot of trauma to go through later. We're back at the library. Giles, is he comes and tells them that it is indeed a she-mantis or a virgin thief. And she assumes the form of a beautiful woman and lures virgins back to her nest. And can I just say that, does it, does it seem like it took them a very long time to figure this out? Like, I feel like in the, in the last episode, mm. they knew that was a witch in like, in like 10 minutes, they, they knew it was a witch. Sure, but as you just pointed out, witches are much more on the surface of our cultural consciousness. How many times do you have something weird happen and go, oh, yeah, it's going to be a she-mantis, duh. Okay. This is, this yeah, is a much fair. more obscure monster. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like they, they come to this, like, re- like I, I think the audience gets here a lot quicker than they do for once. Yes, like, but we, we have episode. privileged information. Yeah, and then the last episode, like, we were guessing and guessing, and then, oh, my God, like, she switched bodies. Like, you know, that was, like, a big twist. Right. This one doesn't have that. It's it's obviously, comparatively, a worse episode already. Oh, we'll talk about that Uh, at the end, but yeah, I I agree with you. The writing in this episode is very messy, and the filming of the episode, the way it was directed, didn't really help that. This is a sloppy episode. So Buffy is saying, you know, Xander's probably okay because I bet he's not a virgin. <laughs> like, Buffy, have you met Xander? Uh, and uh, everyone knows that he's in trouble. So uh, the only way to get rid of this praying mantis is to slice it up with a blade. Willow finds out that Xander isn't at home. So they're all getting really panicky now. Uh, Buffy says to look up Miss French's address on the substitute teacher role. And Giles is to inquire into bat sonars. The sound of a bat sonar, because praying mantises have a nervous system that will go off when they hear them. They're natural predators. I'm just, I'm curious if that's true. I didn't fact check this. So if there are any like entomologists out there who know a lot about (laughs) praying mantises or whatever, could you write in and tell us like, is this true? Would this actually work against a giant praying mantis? It sounds legit to me. Uh, what I do like about this scene is that Buffy is so in control. Like she's, mm-hmm. she actually has some smart ideas here. She did mm-hmm. her research. She's doing her homework, like she just said earlier in the episode, right? She's living up to the charge that Doctor Gregory gave her before he died. You know, that was his last wish. So yep. she now has to true. deal with that for the rest of her life. That's very true. Uh, Willow has the address. Giles has the bat sonar. Buffy has her weapons and they take off. And they also say that uh, in the Rolodex or whatever, Miss French is actually a 90-year-old woman. Huh. So Buffy and Giles and Willow arrive at the house that the address was for. But 
it's not Miss French who opens the door. It's the real Miss French who is 90, year, 90 years old. So they realize they have the wrong house and that Xander's about to get eaten. Back at the cage, hilariously, Miss French is like eeny, meeny, miny, mowing who she takes first uh, to her nest. And Xander is chosen. And Xander tries to get away and run up the stairs, but she grabs him by the legs and he gets tied up and she's about to, I don't know if, if like, like is it like fish where like he ejaculates all over the eggs and that fertilizes them or yeah. if she, she lays she lays the eggs first and then Steph why are you making me talk about this <laughs> do we can we not can we not talk about the particulars well, of human bugs this bug is sex? a very integral part of the plot Clara <laughs> like we need there to are websites wonder. for this Steph where you want if you want these <laughs> questions answered just saying she could have gone to a sperm bank and just like everywhere you know okay fine we won't talk about it we'll just talk about this next thing which is just bizarre where buffy um said she saw miss french in this neighborhood therefore she knows she's around so she jumps into the sewer and when she comes out she's pushing the scissor-handed demon and he's tied up she's leading him like he's on a leash i love this she's like like, i'm gonna like smell her out where is she which house is it and I agree. Like, this is so brilliant. Yeah, it's it, she's so, so innovative. Like, Buffy is on it this episode. Yeah, like, like that was smart. Smart call. And uh, once they find the house, he cuts himself free and attacks her, and she easily stakes him with a white picket fence, which is beautiful. Uh, I do have a comment to make right now, and that's that this vampire, like, am I right? This vampire only existed in this episode to give an excuse for Angel to talk to Buffy. Yeah, again, like I said, this is a messy episode. There's too many things going on. We could have done without the vampire, as cool as Buffy's solution is. We could have done without the fake out with Miss French, the older Miss French, right? Like, there, there's they smushed a bunch of things into this episode that were somewhat unnecessary. This is an example of what happens when you don't edit before you film your script um so so yeah i completely agree with you messy episode lots of extraneous stuff happening i will say though i'm having a good time and like i said i i'm enjoying i enjoyed watching it like i'm hooked i want to know what happens uh the mantis is on top of xander he's crying he's like freaking out uh buffy breaks through the window quickly followed by willow and giles giles unties xander and she sprays it with a bug spray <laughs> and uh, buffy tries to play the recorder uh, uh the recording of the bat sonar but it's actually just giles talking like it's his notes <laughs> and uh turns out he didn't rewind the tape or whatever it was and uh the mantis knocks the tape recorder out of her hands and they end up fighting <laughs> fighting a bit and the bug is almost on Buffy, but that's when Giles picks up the recorder and plays the bat sonar. So the like the mantis kind of goes into shock, and while it's struggling, Buffy chops it down with the blade. So that's that. <laughs> and Xander actually says that for the record, he's an idiot, and Buffy was right. Love that. Good. Glad he apologized. Glad he admitted he was wrong. How long will this last for? You know. Uh, Willow says it was really unfair for the mantis to go after virgins because virgins are doing the smart thing by waiting. What the fuck? And then Blaine the jock is all like, oh, my father's a lawyer, like, you know, rich white boy shit. And if you (laughs) tell anyone I'm a virgin, I'll sue you. (laughs) And I wish he was eaten, eh? Right? I wish that Xander had found his body (laughs) decapitated. Something I just don't get is, like, why is virgin such a touchy subject? You know what I mean? Like, you're all 16 years old. It makes sense that you're still virgins because you're children. So, I I do have a quick story about virginity. <laughs> so, in grade four, um, a couple of kids in my class came up to me and were asking me, Oh, Kara, are you a virgin? And I didn't know what that word meant. So I said no, because I'm just like, oh, well, I, well, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to say no, be safe. And then they started like mocking me and laughing at me because <laughs> we're in grade four. And I got really upset. And I think I told my parents or something and they complained. Uh, and the kids got in trouble for bullying me because um, I just I had no clue what was going on. I was just so young and innocent at that time. 
And I think one of the kids afterwards, like the next day or whatever, like apologized to me and like gave me a Pokemon card as recompense. That's nice. What was it? Was it I think it, it oh, I think I, I think I do remember. This is actually impressive. I usually don't remember this stuff. This story must have buried itself deep in my psyche. Um, I think it was an item finder, which is a pretty good card. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, fuck those kids. What do they know? <laughs> so to, that was, the lesson I learned from that is if somebody asks you if you are something and you don't know what that thing is, don't say yes or no. Yep, that's fair. And also, I something, um, my friend gave me good advice and was just like, uh, when I when someone says something that I don't really understand, I just straight up say, I'm stupid. I don't know what that means. Can you explain? Like, and that kind of like gets you off the hook. For I knowing. wish I had known that in grade four. <laughs> uh, Xander chops down the eggs, the praying mantis eggs in frustration, sexual frustration, because everyone knows he's a virgin. Back at the bronze, Buffy uh, is at the bar. <laughs> it's at the, at the quote, air quote, bar. And angel approaches Mm, angel's back he says uh that he heard that she took out the claw man and buffy says that um things would be a lot easier between them if she knew how to get in touch with him and he's like i'll be around (laughs) such a fuck boy yeah classic and walks away uh but not before she's like oh you can have your jacket back and he says you know looks better on you does it though Oh, it does. No, wait, no, it does not. It does not. That's <laughs> like, that's what I, I thought. No. Buffy says, oh boy. And I say, oh boy, too, because we're all in love with him. Like, every woman is in love with him now, right? Am I right, ladies? Is it just me? And men? Like, we're all, like... Ah, <laughs> uh, I love Angel so much. Um, uh, In case you couldn't tell. New biology class the next day new teacher more strict teacher not as wonderful as dr gregory buffy's bummed out by this which is really sad i think it's it really is too bad that we lost a good one you know Mm -hmm. dr gregory's glasses are still on the desk because even though he's dead long dead no one cleaned out his classroom they just continue teaching over top of his stuff like he still is there uh, she takes them uh, off and puts them in his coat uh, that's still hanging on the door, I assume. Mm-hmm. And as we pan out from the closet, we see that there are still mantis eggs hanging in the closet. Don't know what that means. Will we ever see them again? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But there are mantis babies in the high school. I love this ending. I love... It's just, it's very sweet. You get that sweet little moment of Buffy acknowledging this teacher that meant so much to her before he was brutally taken away. And then it's that, that ominous little note at the end of like, ooh, it's not over. What I want to kind of pick apart a little bit. So just like last week, the theme was, you know, women and the fragility of growing old and wanting to relive your youth. Like that was a whole thing. In this episode, like, can we assume that, like, the villain is sex? Hmm. The fact that the woman is being sexually aggressive with her sexuality, and that is actually compared to a demon. Are we demonizing female sexuality in this episode? Great question. So, it's a pretty common trope in the horror genre to portray sex as the gateway to punishment right you have sex you lose your virginity and therefore you're unclean and we can now punish you so i think it's interesting that the monster in this episode targets virgins so that is a subversion of the common horror trope of if you aren't a virgin you're a target yeah so as as a horror show I think this is just another early sign that Buffy is really working hard not to be your average horror show. As far as the question of does this demonize female sexuality, that's that's a really good question. And I would love for the listeners to weigh in on this. Yeah, so would I. I mean, I, mean, I think I'm going to go with that. It's not demonizing female sexuality because... The creature in this case 
was like as a monster i think she's too far from being human right she's using the tools of posing as an attractive older woman to get these teenage guys and i did explain earlier why i find that so uncomfortable mm-hmm. but i don't view that as a negative comment on female sexuality i mean i do wish that the episode hadn't been so rapey when it came to the way that the guys talked about getting laid and stuff like here's something i'm noticing just in these four episodes about late 90s buffy television versus the type of teenage television we get today is the characters are very similar you have xander and blaine and the other guy i forget if we ever learn his name uh talking about chicks talking about sex and getting laid that wouldn't happen in a tv show nowadays if you're watching the cw or something you'd have a straight guy you'd have a gay guy uh maybe if we're lucky we get like a trans or non-binary character heaven forfend we ever get an asexual character but it's like you're gonna get people with very distinct personalities having discussions about sex and romance and dating whereas in these episodes in the 90s there's this assumption of similarity there's this assumption that all teenage boys are one way all teenage girls are one way and therefore we can just depict all of these characters having very generic conversations that stand in for quote-unquote the average teenage experience so i do think that there is a flattening of representation here when it comes to sexuality I I mean, that's the thing, too, is that this obsession with virginity really gets to me because mm-hmm. it's something I also bought into when I was young because it's just like society hammers it in that there's a difference between when you're pure and when you're not. That moment when you have sex and then you're no longer wow. innocent, like you're you're learned. We, we are going to have such a conversation in season two, aren't we? <laughs> oh, a big conversation. <laughs> because it just just in general, I just want to say... That whole virginity purity thing, like I think that was actually hammered in by religion, right? The Virgin yes. Mary. Yeah, that's what I was getting at when I said it was a sop to conservative American values, right? Like yeah. America yeah. is such a conservative country. Um, sorry, not sorry, American friends, y'all are super conservative. <laughs> um, like, and tel- television in America is so conservative. It's changing a little bit now with like Netflix and streaming, and you can get away with more. But, like, television is so heavily censored and regulated. So I get what you're saying is, like, the messages we get about sexuality, especially from, like, these teenage shows, tend to be very conventional and conservative. Yeah, the before and the after, when really that's just, like, our own construct. Like, virginity isn't anything. It's nothing. Yeah, I (laughs) mean... I think it's just so stupid. Right, like, I'm, you know, because I'm asexual and I've chosen never to have sex, I am technically a virgin... But at the same time, right, like I've read erotica and watched porn and I have solo sex and it's like, <gasps> I know, like I am still a sexual being. So it's like, at what point do you lose your virginity to yourself, right? <laughs> like, well, according to this, you know, you only lose it when you have P and V, you know, and that's another thing too. Yeah. It's like, well, sex is so many things to so many people. But you know what? This was too, we're having a conversation that's way beyond Buffy in 1997. (laughs) Well, and we will have many more conversations about sex in this series because sex is a common motif in Buffy. So we can can pick up this discussion again. Um, Yes. So I want to say, for the record, worst episode so far. (laughs) I know we're only four episodes in, but this might be one of... I'm going to say it's one of the worst episodes of season one. I know there's only 12 episodes. There's another one coming up soon that's really, really bad. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But yeah, this is a bad episode. Um, who's your hero? Okay, let's. Okay, who's my hero? Angel's leather jacket is my hero in this episode. I love it. <laughs> uh, the character arc. Shredder Vampire is my hero. <laughs> they wouldn't have found Xander without him. Yeah. No, my actual hero this episode is Doctor Gregory. May he rest in peace. Uh, great role model. I love to see it. Love your teaching. Your teaching style, you know, a little dry, but hey, you know, we're not asking you for much. We just want you to be nice and encourage your students. And you did that. Thank you very much. 
Aw. I, yeah, I, that, I didn't choose Dr. Gregory, but that was really good. My selection <laughs> is Buffy, because she's just so smart in this episode. Awesome. Yeah, yeah overall, like, like I said, like, like you just said, this episode is not, is not top tier, uh, but I enjoyed it, <laughs> and I really enjoyed talking about it today. It was all jokes. Uh, to add on to this really fun episode, as I'm sure a lot of you listeners know, uh, we have our social media channels, and we're always inviting people to come and talk to us about their love for Buffy. We want you guys to be part of this conversation. And we got a note from someone named Stacy, and she and I had a very lovely conversation where we got to, we got to know each other over the lovely Instagram messenger system. And just before I start reading Stacy's story, this is a trigger warning for mentions of suicide and self-harm. She says that Buffy aired a few weeks after she turned 12 and she grew up with Buffy. She ended up getting a Buffy tattoo on November 16th, 2018. She said, I'm in love with this tattoo for many reasons because for me, Buffy represents tremendous strength. And to be frank, it's on my inner left wrist. It's there because, if I'm honest, it's a self-harm cover-up. It's also there so that I can see it easily anytime. The reason that she got it done on that date is because it was also the anniversary of her cousin's suicide. And it's a reminder to her of strength and resilience. This was a really long time ago, and it was hard to get through. But basically, Buffy came into her life at the most amazing time, and Buffy was the vital part to getting through those teenage years where she was struggling. She says, I was growing up with a show that was growing up with me. And I know that there are so many people that have stories like mine in which Buffy has truly touched them in a way that I don't think other shows really can. So she was sharing this with me and I was stunned. Like she showed me the tattoo. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But it just reminded me how important it is for us to do this podcast. In, in, we mean to bring humor to it and we mean to bring our opinions to it. But there's a lot to cherish in a show like this. I feel the importance of bringing that through too. Of why this show means so much to us, to Stacy, to a lot of people out there who, who use it to get through really hard times. Absolutely. That was very sweet. And touching. Thank you for sharing that, Stacy. Yes, Stacy. Thank you so much. And I agree with you, Steph. And yeah, if it seems at any point throughout this first season like we're being really, really harsh on these episodes, that's because, as anybody who has seen Buffy knows, the first season is extremely bad and rocky, like many TV shows. And that's something that excites me, you know. And Stacy is so totally right. Buffy is one of those rare gems of a television show that truly grows and realizes its full potential many tv shows don't do that often just because they end up being canceled before their time but buffy wasn't and buffy becomes this amazing show with an amazing lead so for me something i'm really anticipating as we move through through the seasons is moving from this position of poking fun at the campiness of the show to the point where we're starting to get emotional about these characters and we're starting to cry and pull out our hair over what's happening we're gonna get there so that's great so yeah i would love for listeners to write in and share more things steph you and i were discussing kind of what to call the segment where we read out listener mail so i think we should turn that over to the listeners i think if anybody has a cool Buffy-related kind of, like, name for our mailbag segment, please let us know, and we will give you hey. credit. Or, I remember I came up with a name, and you shut <laughs> you You turned it down because it was so punny, and I was like, what about hot steaks instead of hot takes? 
<laughs> but uh, you know what? We'll let the listeners decide. Uh, I I will yield to the wisdom of the listeners if they think hot steaks <laughs> is the right name for a mailbag segment. I you know I would be wrong, but our listener yeah. corner is waiting for a name, everybody. Uh, and thank you so much, Stacy, for being our first listener feedback and share. Thank you. That was really nice. So yeah. With that, everybody, uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you've got some comments, message us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com, or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.